This is Lampshade Media Presents The Idea Vortex with Carl Sagan. Christine Horvath, welcome to Lampshade Media Presents Idea Vortex with Carl Sagan. Thanks for having me. It's a weird name for a podcast. It's a weird name. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it, it's it's unusual. I think uh, I think it's interesting, and I'm a huge fan of Carl Sagan. So when Chris uh, Fenner suggested it, I jumped on it immediately. Because uh, you can't really go wrong with a Carl Sagan-inspired name, right? I mean, not that Idea Vortex is uh, in, in any way associated with Carl Sagan, but um, I genuinely don't know who that is. So really, I mean, Cosmos? Yeah, no, I I have I have no experience with the Cosmos. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know who it is. Oh my gosh! Although Idea Vortex, I dig. Because it seems like a good vibe for a podcast, but the Carl Sagan thing really throws me off. Because I'm like, why? Why? Who is he? I don't know. Oh my God, you're you're breaking my heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I have you ever seen the pale blue dot speech? Have you ever heard of that? No. I have one tattoo, and it's a huge one. But it was literally inspired by Carl Sagan's pale blue dot speech. You just love him. He's just your man. Oh yeah, no, I am. <laughs> I am a huge dork about it too. Like I love Carl Sagan because he okay. like yeah. When I like kind of like broke out of the the whole religious uh, uh, you know indoctrination of my youth, uh, Carl Sagan was one of the voices that was like speaking to me about science. You know. Okay. So he are you a uh, are you a Joseph Campbell guy? Do you do you like Joseph Campbell? You know what? I'm not. I know that name, and I feel like I might have read. He's or, the uh, hero journey hero with a thousand faces guy. It's, oh. like, it's like every hero story. He's like, he's like theorized about you know what the hero journey is. Yeah, yeah, um, that is uh, that is uh, ringing my bell now. That shit saved me from some dark existential crises. Is that right? How how so? Years. How so? Do you how how do you mean that? I was going through a time with bad anxiety during college and I was having like, I was like dissociating quite a bit. So I would look around and I wouldn't recognize normal objects like rocks and trees. I would have to like look at it and be like, what the fuck is that? Oh wow. Because I was having such bad anxiety. I was dissociating. Dang. It all kicked off because I saw that fucking Batman movie, The Dark Knight. Yeah. And the Joker just like made me lose my mind. And that was the first time that I had a panic attack in the theater. Oh my gosh. Yeah. After that, for like a year, I was like dissociating. And um, after I learned about Joseph Campbell, he, I don't know, he just like his philosophy just saved, saved me. Well, that's good, man. That sounds, uh, yeah, that sounds pretty uh, traumatic. Yeah. Well, I mean, similarly, you know, being raised in a, uh, very very ultra conservative church type setting seems traumatic to me as well oh so, and you didn't have that i did not have that no. yeah but you did right yeah yeah totally totally yeah and it is and there's like so many ways that we're that we're fucked up in our youth you know what i mean it's a miracle <laughs> we ever make it at all for sure <laughs> yeah no but it's it's good to have those things i got really i got really into the whole science journalism and uh you know the these kinds of things so like you know the carl sagan and the like neil degrasse tyson to an extent although i think he's a little bit arrogant <laughs> but yeah there's a lot of uh there's a lot of people that 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 kind of filled that that role for me I'm I'm curious about like specifically like what the hero journey meant to you in that angle. Well, that's like what he's known for, but I think it was more about I want to say following your bliss. I think is the mm. is is his phrase. Follow your bliss. Um, yeah, but it was about 
living your life in a way that genuinely made you happy and not in a way that made other people happy about your life. Ah, uh, yeah. Which was a lesson that I had to live a lot to learn For as sure. well. So even after I, I, I sort of learned, you know, his philosophy, it still took me a long time to actually live it. So yeah. a lot of it was about like, you know, myths and storytelling and how we sort of st- tell ourselves stories in order to live. So, yeah, yeah, I just really value it. Yeah, there's actually, uh, I listen to a lot of uh, Hidden Brain and there's an episode I'm about to, I haven't even listened to it yet, but it's actually about that, about how storytelling affects us. Yeah. Because, like, when we tell a story, we're not just telling the story. There's there's an underlying theme or lesson that we're supposed to learn, right? Right, right. Yeah, and some of that, like, in, in the sense of uh, some of the children's stories, for example, you know, those are very clearly uh, messaging us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just sort of... I just sort of found what I was looking for. I think that uh, he talks a lot about like fear as well. So he says like, follow your bliss. Don't be afraid. And doors will open where you ought to be. Like it will set you on the right track. So being in a place where I was questioning everything around me and being incredibly afraid of everything I saw because I was dissociating and didn't understand what normal things were. It almost tied me back to reality in a way that I really, really needed it at the time. Um, And it also set off my, like, journey into doing comedy. I remember sitting in Shrunken Head with my journal, like, my the journal that I wrote all my jokes in and would bring on stage, and I just, like, fucking covered it in Joseph Campbell quotes, which was, like, so high school of me, but I don't give a fuck. (laughs) And (laughs) it made me feel better. It made me feel like, you know, like, you can get on stage, you can do this, you know, you don't have to be afraid. Go do your shit, girl. And it was was a hard time. It It was a hard time because, you know, when I started doing comedy, I felt very, very isolated and it was really hard to break into the like social world of comedy for me because, you know, I had anxiety, but also like I was one of very few women, although people were like generally like, you know, cordial, nobody really went out of their way to like welcome me or make me feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, I was very, very much insecure, solo, afraid. And I was fighting those those feelings constantly. So having this like voice in the back of my head being like, "No, you're doing the right thing. You're following your bliss. You're 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 gonna make it. Just push through. Push yep. through this discomfort." Just totally changed everything for me. Yeah, you know that's actually like you're really clicking with me on that too because uh, when I started uh, really uh, addressing and dealing with my depression, that was kind of a, a thing too. Is like the I started going to cognitive behavioral therapy and, and I learned how to argue with myself, you know, when, when my brain is telling me, uh, like, Hey, you're a piece of shit. Nobody likes you or whatever. Right. I could like say, Hmm, I hear you. I hear you. I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just like the last therapist that I had who I don't see anymore because on the first, uh, appointment, she told me, my job is to lose you as a client. So like, I need to give you all the tools that you need in order for you to not see me anymore. So one of the things that she taught me was like, when those kinds of voices pop up in your head, that's not like you, that's like a part of you that's been like hurt or wounded. And so it's saying that to you because it's trying to protect you from being hurt or wounded again and Mm. connecting with that voice and doing exactly what you described. Hey, I hear you you don't, I don't need you right now. It's okay. We're safe. (laughs) Yep. Is like a whole, that's like a whole, that's, it just blew my mind. And I don't go to therapy anymore because of it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I know how to talk to myself now. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. And you know, like growing up very spiritual and believing in spiritual warfare. So I believed that there was angels and demons everywhere and that they could somehow communicate in my brain. Right. 
So every one of these uh, voices that I heard in my brain telling me things was not just me. It was, uh, or even a part of me, it was actually a different entity that was telling me these things. It was this kind of magical thinking. So when I was in therapy and then I stopped believing in in God and things like that and started becoming a little bit more of a materialist, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> then it was like horrifying to to think that's me, <laughs> that's coming from my own brain. Ah, you know what I mean? <laughs> These awful thoughts are actually me. They're not Satan. It was so much easier yeah. to believe it was Satan. You know, right, right. But yeah. we, once I could actually deal with the fact that it was me, then it was like now, okay, so now I have a path forward that's actually producing results. You know? Yeah, gotta deal with it. Ugh face that reality oh is it scary Woo! oh yeah yeah but like that's coming back to the uh the fear thing like fear is such a pain in the ass it's so so unhelpful in so many ways you know <laughs> yeah. for something that does yeah. preserve us like fear of heights right keeps us from climbing up and falling off of shit i guess that makes sense right but the social anxiety and a lot of the the fear that's keeping you from doing the thing you want to do. What the fuck is that? How's that helping me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's like, uh, it's definitely somewhere in there where, you know, we were rejected or hurt or not taken seriously or laughed at or something. Uh, and yeah, that yeah. little voice is trying to get you to avoid being, avoid feeling like that again, because you don't want to feel like that. Right. And that's, that's fair, you know, to that little part inside of me, but you yeah. know, it's okay. Like I'm a grown up now. I can handle that if it happens, which it does, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but now, you know, we have, we have the tools to, to handle it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's why I listen to, uh, to Jason Isbell songs is just so I know that I, it's okay. If I'm depressed, I can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> Just listen yeah. to sad music and cry sometimes and oh, see boy. see how strong I am. I know people love to listen to sad music. Like my like Griffin loves sad music so much. And I just don't I don't get it. I and I know I don't really get music in a lot of ways that people love music. I don't identify with music in the same way. Wow. Although really? I do I do yeah, I like music. I like I like listening to it mostly to feel happy. And sometimes to feel nostalgic and very rarely, maybe like two or 3% of the time I put on a bony bear song to hurt myself. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it is not common for me. And I don't even like bony bear. It just reminds me of a horrible person from my life. So, oh yeah. Okay. I so it's, to it. it's an association thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. I have had music absolutely level me so many times. Hmm. There's this uh there's this song by the Glorious Sons, Everything is Alright. That song has destroyed me. Oh boy. <laughs> and it's like and yeah. it is kind of like, I don't know, it's weird because it is like sometimes painful to like listen to a sad song and really get in your feels. But there is I mean, there is something oddly cathartic about it, I guess. I totally agree. Yeah, there, there's something cathartic about it when you're trying to like process something out of you. That's the time when I listen to Bon Iver. When I'm like feeling real shit about like being with that person, I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta like, I gotta really feel this. I gotta punish myself for it, and then I gotta just vomit it out. You know, yeah, yeah. hypothetically, not not in a in a sincere sense <laughs> no i know but i mean i think that's an apt uh analogy because throwing up isn't something people should just want to do right but sometimes you got to do it you know <laughs> yeah i gotta purge that sadness but yeah so so you not 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 feeling the music not feeling the carl sagan we're gonna have to find some more stuff to connect on <laughs> <laughs> oh my god people are gonna listen to this and be like who the fuck is this girl? <laughs> what about David Attenborough? I genuinely don't know who that is. I know of Richard Attenborough, the nature guy. I think you might be thinking of David Attenborough. <gasps> oh my God. Is that his name? Yeah. Nature guy? Yeah. He... Yeah. That okay. does all the uh, documentaries on yes. uh, yep. like Blue Planet and Planet Earth. And uh, 
stuff like that? Actually, yes, I do. I do like him. Uh, although I did not know his name because I don't know much about him, but I did watch one documentary on Disney plus recently, uh, where he talked about his career. I didn't realize that he's been like traveling the globe and like doing the shit that he does since he was like 20. Oh yeah. This dude is, this dude is the real fucking deal, man. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Like he is awesome. Uh, and I just, I only liked him just because well i mean a i love smoking pot and watching nature documentaries because why not sure. but b sure. that voice oh my god it's great i mean it is soothing i i fell asleep to that documentary not because i was tired but because his voice is the lullaby oh yeah i mean I, it doesn't it's not like i have to sleep when i hear it but man is it soothing and like it just like i don't know if i have the asmr you know, tingle thing or not. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but sometimes when I'm watching him, I'm just like, yes, in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) I feel it. Well, I was just going to say, I actually do have, uh, a nature expert here, uh, lampshade media, nature expert on the line. If you wanted to uh, learn a thing or two about nature. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I would love that. We could do that right now. I am open to it. Yeah, I got Ricky Chill Ricky. right here on the line. Let me bring him up. Ricky Chill, some kind of nature expert, I believe, right? Yes, I am a uh, cryptozoologist. Oh, great, great. We have you on the line here with uh, Christine Horvath, a uh, local comic here in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, hey. Hi, Christine. Yeah, we were just uh, just interested in nature and, uh, and wanted to learn some things. Okay, so uh, for the past year, you know... Um, I, ha- I will lead with, I have been shunned by a large portion of the uh, scientific community oh, and the uh, cryptozoological community. <laughs> I am an, e- an expert in the field, but unlike others, I have made it my life's mission to attempt to track down all of the cryptids documented and have sexual intercourse with them. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Wow. Yeah, that's that's typically the response. That's actually one of the tamer responses I typically get. There's usually a lot more swearing and throwing things and running me out of town uh, with pitchforks and the like. I'm, I'm trying to understand why. Well, I mean, let, let me put it to you with a question. If you could ride a rainbow, wouldn't you? Would I, would I ride a rainbow? Um, yeah, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, I'd ride a rainbow. If you could grab a sunrise and put it in your pocket, wouldn't you? I'm, that sounds lovely, yes. If, if you could have a threesome and, and dick down the Mothman and the Loveland Frogman at the same time, wouldn't you? Now, here's where you lose me. I don't... <laughs> I am really concerned about why you want to have sex with the Mothman. I've seen the movie. It's very scary. Uh, seems dangerous. Do you just live life on the edge? Well, it's it's for two reasons. Uh, one is I've I've pursued sexual excitement all my life, and and frankly, I feel like I've kind of reached the summit of what humanity has to offer me in the bedroom. Hence, why I've turned to cryptids. Additionally, a lot of people will shake their heads at this. It is for science. It, this is this is largely research based. Like, sure, we know what Sasquatch might look like, but like. Do we know what kind of brain he's hanging? These are the questions that I'm willing to ask. To be honest, like, Sasquatch does seem like kind of a daddy, you know? Exactly. Like, he's kind of hot. Yeah. I could see it. I don't know. Like, how does consent work in the zoological, cryptoid zoological community? So that that is a great question. Uh, cons- consent is, of course, absolutely necessary. It is without question. I would never force myself on any creature, human or cryptid, uh, without their express consent. Now, with cryptids, with animals, it gets a little trickier because uh, they don't communicate the way that you and I do. But sure. say, for example, yeah. there there are ways that they can absolutely confirm the negative. Uh, for example, okay. if a chupacabra bites you on the arm, that's a pretty safe bet that that's a no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> has, has that happened to you? It it did. I 
I'm not entirely sure that it, it uh, was a chupacabra. It may have just been a particularly ornery goat uh, when I was down New Mexico way, but it, it did bite me, and I took that to mean, no, thank you. So I backed <laughs> off uh, respectfully, of course. Uh, now, now, you know, if you're, if you're tracking, I don't know, say, say a Wendigo in the Canadian wilderness or something, you know, if you reach out and it responds with a, a gentle, loving caress, that's not expressly necessary consent, but I think it's permission to at least inquire further and see if the Wendigo is in fact feeling it. Um, respectfully, what the fuck is a Wendigo? The Algonquin Indians uh, believed that it was a, a creature that came about uh, through, it's, it's basically a big allegory for man's uh, surfeit and greed and all that stuff. Basically, when you consume the flesh of another, you absorb a person's life force and you give rise to the spirit of the Wendigo. That's the more spiritual version. The Wendigo itself is actually a terrifying nine-foot-tall cow skull thing that that is just horrifying to look upon. Uh, it's definitely kind of bottom of the list of cryptids that I want to fuck. <laughs> There, there are some scary ones out there. Basically, anything with feathers and scales is pretty low on the list. You know, like alligator people, pretty far down there. Sure. You know, the Jersey Devil doesn't have feathers per se, but anything that can fly, that definitely is a, is a potential risk for harm. So I stay away from flying things, again, further down the list. Yeah, but that's your chance for the Mile High Club. It is. Uh, and, and that's the thing. Um, you know, the risk is it worth the risk that's yeah, that's what i'm trying to find out you know there believe it or not there's not a lot of pioneers in this field so <laughs> so a lot of this is is kind of work that i'm i'm laying the groundwork for for people who will do this further down the road <laughs> laying the groundwork yeah buddy <laughs> yeah All I right. was... do you kiss and tell you know like can you tell us like who have you who have you bagged and who are you looking to bag well that that's a great question uh obviously sasquatch pretty high on the list um i've i've gotten with a couple of kind of like the lower tier cryptids you know i, I mentioned earlier the loveland frogman pretty pretty easy one to get with because I mean, what's the Loveland Frogman got going on? Just hanging down under a bridge in fucking Cincinnati. <laughs> you know, he didn't have anything better to do. So, let's see. Uh, let me let me get my field guide here. I've got a got a handful that I have I've been with. Do, do, do. Here we go. So, uh, I I did some heavy petting with uh, the Manapogo, which is a, a a lake monster in Canada's Lake Manitoba. Did not go all the way because, you know, uh, a line was drawn at one point, and I respected that. I'm very respectful of uh, any cryptids that I do sleep with. I did go all the way. The Beast of Bodmin Moor, which is a, a large feline-like creature, thankfully did not have the barbed penis that cats are so known for. <laughs> of course, also the Ozark Howler. Um Nothing really happened there. Um, I, I took him out to uh, go see Avengers Endgame. And then, you know, he, she just never called me back. So Now, where does Nessie rank on your list? Nessie is one of the few aquatic ones that uh, is a little higher on the list. I'd say she's probably at four. Because obviously one of the more recognizable creatures, you know. Definitely sure. kind of big name recognition there. So, so Nessie's. Uh, right. About a number four in my top five. Okay. And then, of course, uh, Sasquatch is number one. Mothman's number two. Those are all, like I said, kind of kind of big names in the cryptic game. And then there's there's something called the Skunk Ape that's uh, allegedly been sighted in Florida. That's uh, at number three, just because I'm real curious about it. Yeah, that does sound interesting. Right. Two animals that you wouldn't think to to mash up, but there they are. So I'm kind of curious and I almost like, I, I, I'm not sure if I even want to ask this, but I kind of feel like I have to for science or for uh, law enforcement. Sure. Did, did this start with, uh, with, 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 
just normal bestiality and then move into crypto? No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I think I think cryptids are a step above what our our normal animal kingdom. I think that they are on a higher level of thinking and emotion uh, than you know, like. I would never try to fuck your dog. Like, I would never do that. And and those are pretty smart animals. But they're still animals. Like, cryptids are animals, but I, I think I've got a little more reverence for them. And I and I think that there is a common bond between humans and cryptids that uh that a lot of cryptozoologists kind of look past. Like, you think you think a Sasquatch doesn't want to be romanced? Why wouldn't they? I guess, yeah. I guess they need love too. Of course they do. Sasquatch needs love too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And and that's what a lot of this is about, you know. Our our instinct is to fear the unknown, but what if we reached out and provided it was okay with them? What if we kissed the unknown on the mouth? <laughs> interesting, interesting. <laughs> I think we could learn a lot. Yeah, that, and that's that's all I'm trying to do. This is this is about education. It's it's a little bit about fucking, but it's mostly largely about knowledge and research. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> well, I feel like I've learned a lot. You know, I it's not anything I thought I wanted to learn about, but uh, but here we are, and uh, I I'm you know better better for it. <laughs> like I said, it's it's early in the research game. My hope is that in one, two, five years, I can really pave the way with this research and give us a lot more insight into cryptids and who knows maybe one day we'll we'll be living side by side with cryptids you know that's that's what my hope is that's a future we can we can dream of you know <laughs> it, it's the future i've been dreaming of every night for the last couple of years <laughs> <laughs> well ricky Beautiful. Yeah, thank you so much for for uh, coming on and sharing your uh, your expertise with us. Uh, it's good to have another lampshade media expert on the on the line. Absolutely happy to come in. Uh, if anyone's interested, they can always check out what I've got going on at uh, cryptidfucker.net and I am on TikTok at uh, cryptidfucker69. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, well everybody check those links out. Yeah. Support your local cryptid fucker. Thanks again, man. Have a have a good one. You as well. Thanks for having me. All righty. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Ricky, chill. I did not uh, know exactly what I was getting into there. I'm not going to lie to you. But you know what? Good to know all perspectives. Yeah, that's an interesting one. That is an interesting perspective. And he did. He did seem to indicate that he had successfully uh, uh, <laughs> slept with some of these uh, cryptids. There was definitely. Some, some success. Yes. I'm not sure what that even means, to be honest with you. But <laughs> like you mentioned, heavy petting, which <laughs> yes. is fine. Which, which sounds appropriate for an animal. It does. It does sound just right. Just exactly right. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Fantastic. So anyway, moving on. <laughs> I mean, if you can if you can easily transition out of that bit into something that you want to talk about next, I you'll have my undying respect for the rest of your life. <laughs> I, it's not it's not I'm not planning on it being smooth. It's going to be kind of a cold snap. <laughs> <laughs> we could just do a hard cut. <laughs> hard cut. Little record scratch. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh no, I actually yeah. have a record scratch. I'm gonna throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, now that we're done talking about uh fucking pretend animals, uh let's talk about your comedy career. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, let's do it. You've been doing a lot in the Columbus scene. Baybor has yeah. been a been a really cool thing. You've been promoting some really cool shows and getting perhaps some names that aren't as easy to see on a bill. Yeah, it's been really cool and really fun. Yeah, I've been around since 2012, so almost a decade. Nice. <laughs> which is pretty crazy to me. But like I said earlier, you know, getting started was really, really hard. 
And that drives a lot of the things that I still do today. Because I remember feeling very alone and very isolated and very different. You know, the culture of stand-up comedy is generally very, like, male-oriented. And it wasn't, it wasn't a welcoming space, which I've heard varying reasons for that. None of which I really agree with. I mean, one of them is like, you know, people come and go so often in comedy that it's like, you know, why why should I take my time to introduce myself to you if you're just going to be gone in two weeks? But my counter to that is like, well, maybe they wouldn't be gone in two weeks if they like had people who were like welcoming them in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a hard thing because it's a community that thrives on being a solo sport and you know, you can't really, you can't really depend on people to be there for you that often, which is understandable. You know, it's, it's at the end of the day, like you're on your own on stage and you have to make it for yourself. And I did. It is weird. When I, when I, when I started doing uh, podcasting and promoting local entertainment, it was with bands and local music and Dealing with with bands and musicians had some interesting differences than dealing with uh, comedians, Uh, you know, because bands are a team sport and comics are, like you said, a solo sport. So there is a different kind of like feel about the the scene, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's the nature of the beast, which is um, which is fine, but it's. It, you know, it's not something that I think is a particular strength of the community. <laughs> I personally like the idea of welcoming people and making people feel empowered and safe and like they can go on stage and try things out and, you know, develop as an artist and have confidence when they go on stage. <laughs> I know that that's something that a lot of comedians struggle with. And I think I think it's a very easy thing that we can do to just say hi, you know, to say to go out of your way to say hi to someone. Yeah. It's just empathy. It's just being like, oh, I see you and I you know, you entered my community and it's my job to make you feel comfortable. And that's how I personally see myself. I don't expect everyone to feel that way because, you know, it takes all kinds. But I do I do think of that as like the more people we have who who are willing to do that, I think that that strengthens our community. So, yeah, you know, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> do you think that that's a big part of Babor then? Because you definitely are, are trying to amplify specific voices with Babor, right? Yeah, it's definitely a big part of it. I mean, I started it because I felt like I had gotten to a place in my career where I could provide stage time and opportunities, valuable stage time and opportunities to folks who really wanted and needed them, but weren't getting them elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really saw myself, you know, in that journey because when I was new, It was just really lonely. It was just lonely. It was hard. I had something to say and it felt like, you know, it it felt hard to, to get people to listen to me. So when I book shows, I think about who are the comics voices who I want to hear more? Whose perspectives do I not hear as often as I'd like to? And how can I fold them into this thing that I'm doing. Yeah. A lot of times those those people are marginalized people because, you know, the men aren't giving them the opportunities that perhaps they have earned. So from my perspective, I'm just like, hey, these people are out here working too. Let's work together. And I run great shows and I'm really proud of them. Oh yeah, you do. So yeah, it's definitely a driving force. Yeah, actually, I've mentioned, I think I've mentioned one of your shows several times on this program. It was the first time I saw Samantha Sizemore perform. It was a Babe Roar, yeah, Babes to Watch, and it was uh, early in 2020, wasn't it? 2020, yeah. Oh, I wish we could have done one this year, but 
next year. We'll do it again. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll be doing it next year. Who was uh, Dan Seabree was on that. Griffin was on it. Samantha and yeah. was Alexis on that? Alexis Nelson. I think so. Yeah, and the one other one was Marie Adams. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love. Yeah. I love her. She's this little like force of nature, and <laughs> she. Here's here's what I'm here's what I mean by people who have something to say who don't get the the opportunities that perhaps they they deserve or have earned. Marie Adams is like a case in point, right? Like she was going to all of these open mics. I saw her at Ethel's. I saw her at Shrunken. I saw her at Bossy Girl. I never saw her booked on a show. Hmm. And I was like, this girl is fucking funny. Why aren't you putting her on stage? And at a certain point, I was just like, I don't care if she's new. I'm going to put her on my show. And... Yeah. And I'm glad I did. I oh, mean, yeah. she like brought people to the shows. She showed up with like tons of energy and was like excited. And I've had her on a few shows now. And like, I love working with her. She is like a little ray of sunshine. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just, I don't like it. I don't like when that happens to people. I think that it should be less about who you know and more about what you do. I mean, yeah, I mean, part of human nature, I think, is that who you know is always going to be a thing. But if you think about it, for for Marie Adams, uh, she knows you, and that became a good thing for her. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And, and, but that's only because I think I got to a point of, like, confidence and comfort in my progression as a person and, like, in the scene that I was able to sort of empower myself to empower yeah. others. Oh, yeah, so. because you became uh, not just a, a, a comic, but you also became a promoter. Yeah, and like a showrunner, you yeah. know, a producer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I meant by, by promoter, I guess, is a person that does oh, shows oh, oh, oh. and promotes shows. Yeah. But yeah, that's really cool. And like, that's the those kind of shows, like I typically don't book people for Lampshade Media stuff that I haven't seen on a paid show, right? And maybe... I mean, maybe you could argue, and I'd be willing to, to take the criticism that that's some bullshit, but I guess it's just an easy way out for me because it makes my selection process a little bit more narrow. Yeah. I mean, that's, if, that's your, if that's your process, that's your process. I would say that it's, it's hard for me to think of comedy as like a microcosm of capitalism because it makes it, it takes all of like the art and heart out of it for me. So, you know, when you say like, Oh, I don't, I, I'm not going to book anyone who hasn't been on a paid show is like, think of it in terms of, you know, capitalism, like who, who gets the opportunities first typically. And what do those people look like? And who's, who are who, is, yeah. who are those people's friends? And that is like a whole connection that I sort of actively try not to to follow. If that makes sense. No, it totally does. Here's the thing: is like being self-aware and being a good person always takes more work. You know what I mean? Like it's it's really that was just a shortcut for me. But no, when you when you put it like that, it's like, yeah, I'm losing uh, some some people with that filter. You know, I'm losing some some good people with that filter. And I'm like also costing them opportunities with that filter. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a barrier, I would say. I'm not going to I'm not going to project this onto you. I'm going to say this as me. This is what drives me. This is my value. Right. If I'm really promoting art, if I'm really trying to build a creative scene. If I'm going by standards that already exist, it's probably based on ideas that are old, that are old ideas that exist just because that's the way it's always been done, right? So yeah. uh, when I think about you know how people typically book shows, I'm like, okay, well, how can we reinvent this? You know, how can we make it so that the the focus is on the art and the material and the people. And it's not so much about who has the most social media reach or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Who's getting asses and seats or whatever. Yeah. Like, and but they do that 
too. I mean, might mm-hmm. as well do too. You know, it's like I always have a full room. Oh yeah, no, the Babe Watch show was packed up at up front. Yeah, that's a result of just kind of you know working and building an audience and following my my passion and my heart and my value. So yeah, that's just what I do, and it, nobody else has to do it. But to me, it's it's what I have to do. <laughs> Yeah. Because I'm stubborn, Mel. I'm stubborn. <laughs> yeah, but don't I don't I don't think that's a bad thing. I've been called stubborn too, actually. I think you and yeah. I something you and I have in common is just a, a, a that kind of crippling self awareness that that we just we have to deal with it, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean but I think that uh I don't think it's a bad thing a lot of times. Maybe it can be. Well, I don't think it's a bad thing either. I think it makes us way better people. But it is a fucking bitch. Like, you know, being aware is uh, just the worst, you know. (laughs) I would take ignorant bliss, you know. And it's just not good for anyone else. (laughs) Right. Right. But then again, you know, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, is that when you do go out of your way to create an experience to create a curated artistic experience that is I know this sounds so like pretentious but it's just I'm just speaking from the heart yeah Uh, go out of your way to create that kind of experience different people like that you know people people are attracted to that so you're you're not only creating this thing that's really special you're also widening your audience yep right so like you don't like if you don't like money, if you don't like people at your show, if you don't like if you don't like people coming up to you after the show and being like, "Wow, I loved that." You know, if you don't like any of those things, that's fine, but I do, and that's, that's typically <laughs> what happens after my shows. And I love I love that. I love I mean, yeah, I hope you can I. hear it in my voice. You know, it's like yeah. it's just it's pure bliss to tie it all back to Joseph Campbell. It's like well, you know, I pushed through, I, I went to the deepest well, and there I found my bliss, and now I can share it with other people. And it's, it's fucking beautiful. <laughs> fucking I. On that, you know, let's, uh, yeah, let's uh, take a quick break and uh, listen to uh, a little bit of this. This is Joel Good with Food for Thoughts. I'm here to crack an egg of knowledge on the frying pan of your mind. Cook it for about couple minutes medium medium well lay them on top of the english muffin of everything you've known before top it with ham or some sort of thinly sliced meat and drizzle it with the hollandaise sauce of truth creating the biscuit benedict revelation because much like benedict arnold it will betray everything you thought you knew like when each day just realized god was dead or bruce willis when he realized he was a ghost it will change your life forever nation How do you like your eggs? Do you keep them on the sunny side? Do you take it easy or do you like them hard? Somewhere in between? Me, I keep it simple. I like them scrambled with cheese. And not just because that's the only kind I can make. Shut up, fuck you. It's just how I like them, okay? That's not the point. You can make them how you like, but I warn you. Beware of the deviled egg. I know what you're thinking. Joel, just because they're called deviled eggs doesn't mean they have anything to do with the actual devil. Well, that's where you're wrong, you dumb bitch. The devil is simply hiding in plain sight. You may have heard the devil is a tricky some bitch. By putting his name right on the title, it fools you into thinking he ain't had nothing to do with it. It's just like what Kaiser Soze said. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Don't worry about it, folks. He ain't fooled me. I seen him plain as day just like I see him in the monster energy drinks and them raisins covered in yogurt you find in trail mix. You can't fool me. How do you get yogurt hard? It's all squishy. Witchcraft and the devil, that's how. That's a whole nother episode. Think about how deviled eggs are made. The very first step is to see them in boiling hot, lightly salted water until their innards are congealed and pale white. Sounds a bit like hell to me. You know, the devil's stomping ground. It's like he's not even trying to hide it. Might as well throw in some brimstone. And hold on, wait a minute. What's that smell? Is it boiling eggs or is it sulfur? That's right, one of the few known stanks of hell is recreated in the few first steps of dabbling with the darkness that is the devil's egg. Now let's think about the next step. You know, 
after you boil half a dozen eggs alive. Then all you gotta do is peel off their skin, cut them in half, scoop out their innards, mix them with mustard and God knows what else, and right back in their halved remains. Then what? You eat them. Jesus, I think I might be sick. Let's not forget, all this is happening to an egg. And what is an egg but a child? A little baby chicken. A babe snatched from its mom's ass just so the libs can indulge in yet another dark-sided delicacy. I'm gonna try not to cry. I don't like to talk about it, but I have to get the message out. The devil is real. And he's in your eggs. All right, welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah, yeah. We were talking earlier before the recording, and uh, TikTok has fucking blown up in the past, like, what, year or so? Yeah. I have been, so we have a local celebrity and right here in Columbus, she's been on my show and she's been on your shows and she's been on a shit ton of other publications. Alexis Nelson has just <laughs> blown up on TikTok, right? Oh, I love, she is heaven. She is pure heaven. She is Columbus's sweetheart. I can't speak more highly of her as a person and a comedian. Oh no. She is a beautiful, beautiful human. Gorgeous. She is just such a good person. Just a chef's kiss of a person. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but man, it is amazing to see how far she has taken this urban forager. Like she goes out, she eats weeds. Yeah. All she does is she goes out in the city and she eats things that grow in the fucking ground in the middle of the city. And she has like made that thing fucking huge. Yeah. You know what she's doing? She's following her bliss. And that Amen. is one thing that, that, that is, that is everything. You know, I've talked to her, I've talked to her a lot about, um, about her TikTok. And actually she's the reason that I made a TikTok, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. But what she said, I asked her, you know, like, how did you get into urban foraging? And she was like, I was just, a, I think that her mom had a bunch of gardening books. I yeah. think that's what she said at home. Yeah. It was and kind of a her nerding just, out. Yeah. Yeah, she would just like sit down and like read the books, and now she knows what all of the fucking plants look like and yeah. identify things, and she knows which ones she can eat. Yep. And she's been doing it forever, and she was like, oh, "I'll make this a TikTok. This is weird. I don't know. I can also be kind of funny." Yep. And you know, people just love it. I mean, she is just a delight. Lovely. Listeners, if you haven't heard my episode with Lexus Nelson, go back to the. Uh, Go back to that one because it was a fantastic episode. She's a yeah, she's a delight. Oh, <laughs> love it. But yeah, so you got your own TikTok now, huh? Yeah, when I was <laughs> when I was talking to her, she was telling she was like, I don't know why people are waiting so long to get on this platform that gets harder and harder to go viral every day. And I was like, that's a good point. I've been thinking about making a TikTok, and she was like, you should do it. It's so fun. And I was, like, very skeptical and very afraid because I'm a millennial and, like, you know, I think that we are, for whatever reason, skeptical of every new social media platform. Oh, we're getting older. Um, I <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, when Instagram stories came out. I remember being like, I'm not fucking using that. That is stupid. But then, like, <laughs> you would see people making them, and you'd be like, oh, actually, it's kind of fun. Yeah. And yeah. this I time. I can see them I, having fun. I'm not going to do it, though. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was so stubborn about it. I was such, like, oh, I was such an angry millennial. And then when TikTok happened, I was, I realized that I was feeling the same way. But I thought then about how much I love using Instagram stories now. And I was like, fuck that. Fuck that negativity, fuck that fear, fuck that skepticism. I'm getting on TikTok. <laughs> yep. Good for, yeah, so hell yeah. After Alexis said that to me about like, you know, making your own and doing your own thing, I was just like, fuck, what do I want to make on TikTok? And I started out doing these lipstick review videos because actually, funny story, when I was on uh, Dustin Meadows' a hot dog show many years ago, <laughs> I wore a lipstick. That outlasted eight hot dogs. It like, looked perfect at the end of the show. And I was like, It outlasted oh eight God. hot dogs. Like, I could write eight hot dogs, Mel. I was like, I could write a review about this 
and like women would find it very valuable not just women but anyone who wears lipstick you know would find it really valuable and so i started doing these like lipstick reviews for babes love snacks and it was like fun but it felt too like formal for what tiktok is because have you spent very much time on it I downloaded it when I heard Trump was going to ban it, and then I never used it, and then he didn't ban it, so then I deleted it. Because I'm an elder millennial, so I'm worse than you. (laughs) Yeah, you're just going to use it out of spite, for sure. I was was totally going to use it out of spite. That was for sure. But then when the spite wasn't there, I was like, fuck it. You were like, fuck it, I don't have the energy. Yeah. So I started like watching a lot of TikToks and I was like, oh, these are just like people, people don't care about their image on TikTok, really. You know, like on Instagram, everything is like so picture perfect and judgmental and, you know, people have to like perfectly like capture this like beautiful moment in an image and it's all fucking fake, right? But TikTok is different because it's just people... (laughs) in their beds with like wearing their pajamas (laughs) to their front cameras. That's all it is. And they're like making these like funny jokes or like cool points or like doing a dance or like just being themselves and being genuine. And I was like, fuck, that's what I want to do. I want to be genuine. I want to like have fun with this. So I started doing my material in TikToks. Oh, damn. And it, like, kind of blew. I have, like, 25,000 followers on TikTok. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's fucking crazy. That's awesome. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I know. (laughs) I think that for TikTok, it's, like, kind of middle of the road, I would say. It's not, like, you know, it's not, like, Alexis Nelson. Well, she has, like, a million or more, right? Like. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many followers she has, but she has a ton. Like, she's TikTok famous. Like, I'm not there. I'm, like, middle of the road, like, still, like, cruising. I think most people join TikTok to lurk, from what I can understand. Yeah, that that, makes sense to me. That would be me. And and then I feel creepy about it. Yeah, right. So you wouldn't... No, I mean, I think that that, there's a place for that, too. You know, it takes all kinds. Yeah, because that's um, more of a the the consumer end of TikTok rather than the producer right. end. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that people who like want to be uh, people call them like creators, I guess. But people who want to be like TikTok creators are, you know, they're trying to like break a thousand, and then because then you can go live on TikTok, which like I haven't decided if I like that or not yet. So once you break a thousand, <sighs> that's like that's like kind of kind of a good thing. Um, but then after you hit 10 K, I think that's where it starts to be like, kind of, you're kind of like in the game. You know what I mean? Very cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, from, from there and up, like what I consider a lot of TikTok followers, I would say probably like double what I have, like 50 K. Okay. So you're just on your, uh, you're just on the upward trend then. Yeah, I'm I'm upward, but I have (laughs) a lot of videos that are circulating, like, TikTok is the the algorithm is very different from most social media platforms. So I have like a bunch of videos that are still circulating, even though I made them like a month ago. And so I'll, I've seen, I mean, people still comment every day on videos that I made a month ago, which is borderline infuriating and fun. You know, it's, it's a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's cool though. I've been I've been like thinking about the fact that if I'm going to promote uh the local comedy scene and promote my own brand uh I probably should learn about TikTok and stuff and I'm just such an old fucking fogey that I'm like ah oh, god I don't want to do it uh, you know but like it yeah. looks like everybody's having a lot of fun on there you know <laughs> That's the thing That's the thing that's like the Instagram stories thing like it's yeah. just like you know you see other people doing it and you're like, Oh man, that looks like fun. I want to be part of the party. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty cool though. But you know, you kind of have to, you have to like want to do it, you know, otherwise people won't. Well, yeah, don't do anything you don't want to do. That's a good rule in life. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> but you know what? People do it all the time, Mel. It's worth saying out loud. Mm. Don't do anything you don't want to do. Yeah. But the things it's you do, the things you do, fucking want to do them. Fucking want to do them, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what's your TikTok uh, creds here so we, people can look you up? It's at Babe Roar. Babe Roar. B-A-B-E-R-O-A-R. Check out Christine on TikTok at Babe Roar. Pretty fun. Hell yeah. Christine, it has been so fucking awesome talking to you today. I thank you so much for yeah. coming on uh, Lampshade Media Presents Idea Vortex with Carl Sagan. Um, it oh, has just been amazing. Name. Excuse me? Terrible name for the podcast. I've got to be honest. Terrible. Very bad. I have been, um, I've been more excited about this name than any, any name I've had in the past <laughs> year and a half uh, i'm a little disappointed <laughs> to hear that feedback well keep in mind i do not know or care about carl sagan so, well, yeah you made know, that very I clear in the first 10 minutes that. of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> i can suggest a new name would you like me to do that because I feel like I can't criticize it without offering an alternative. Well, now that my uh, th- that my uh, security has been completely crippled in the, in what I thought was a great name, uh, I'm going to need a suggestion. <laughs> okay. Well, based on our conversation today, you know, I the cryptids are are still sticking with me. <laughs> it, like, it, it might have scarred me. I don't know what happened. I think I'm afraid and intrigued and a little horny. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I think that the name of your podcast should be Sasquatch Needs Love Too. Because it's beautiful (laughs) and true. (laughs) You know, uh, I like that and I think it's like i'm gonna have to admit that i'm taking it a little bit personally more personally than you meant it because <laughs> i'm a large hairy man <laughs> but yes yes and i gotta admit the merchandising options there are gonna be huge so uh i mean come on yeah <laughs> Cute little Sasquatch. Also, Sasquatch is kind of hot. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of into it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, that's, you know, I'm glad we had this conversation. I'm really, I'm really glad you had the, uh, the boldness to, uh, to, I mean, the audacity really to just come on my sure. show and rename my fucking brand. But sure. man, I'm, I'm feeling better off for it. <laughs> You know, I try to just be real with people, you know, just be honest. Um, so I appreciate yeah. you allowing me that space. It's really meaningful. What have we learned today, kiddos? We have learned so much about cryptid sex and cryptids in general. Yeah, so much. Uh, <laughs> we learned to follow our bliss. Follow your fucking bliss. Yeah. It takes all kinds. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. We learned uh we learned that uh that uh Richard Attenborough is not a person. Right. <laughs> and I will not remember that. Did <laughs> <laughs> so David Attenborough have a brother? Or is, did I just make it up? Did I make it up? Yeah, I don't know, but I think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh no he's an actor he's an actor okay that makes me feel better we, Richard Attenborough is an actor we learned that you need to look up Christine on uh, at Babor on TikTok that's for sure yeah dude Babor TikTok Instagram is a good one too I like Instagram I am officially not using Facebook anymore so just like don't bother fuck that Zuck huh I can't I can't do it it's so it's such a of despair <laughs> i i hear you i hear you so don't look for christine on facebook go check out the instagram check out the tiktok and all the other shit but fuck facebook amen christine i love you you are a fucking fabulous person 
thank you. Yeah. Love you too. A fucking Thanks gem. for having me. Oh no, this is great. This is great. I wish we could talk for like three more hours. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm about to go have a quesadilla virtually with a friend. Hell yeah. Well, enjoy that and tell them uh, Lampshade yeah. said hi. Tell Griffin I Tell Griffin I love him too. Oh, I will. Thank you. All righty. All right. Have a great night. Yep. Thanks so much. You too. This program is produced by Lampshade Media. Hosted by Mel Milliman. Music by Tyson Shipman. Graphic design by Griffin Browning. Social media by Sam Welch. Voiceover by Ryan Branch. And a special thank you to our sponsors, Paddy Wagon Food and The Garden.